Today's edition of the podcast is brought to you by CoachMe Plus. CoachMe Plus is the leader in athlete management software and a product that I've been lucky enough to be using for a little over a year now. Only rivaled by the impeccable customer service that Kevin and his staff provides, CoachMe Plus's ability to constantly be amoeba-like in their ability to mold and, and matriculate what you're trying to get across and bring together is, is absolutely fantastic. Their constant pursuit of better ways and better methods and, and innovations and progress to their own product is absolutely fantastic. Go over to CoachMePlus.com, check out what they got, guys. It's, uh, it's something that I guarantee you won't be disappointed with. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, we have an awesome talk with Jim Ferris Fitness owner, Jim Ferris. Guys, we're going to go over a whole mess of stuff. We're going to talk about the shield and where it came from, how Jim looks at assessment with his athletes and working with other coaches' kids, how that relationship with other coaches is driven based around what the kid needs and working with coaches as he trains their athletes remotely. Um, and then we really get into a lot of what they do there with programming, you know, how he sets up his programs, um, and how he looks at the real life requirements for all the athletes that he has there and how he manages their training around it. We get into his use of the gym aware, and then we finally, uh, we, we get to talking about building relationships and Jim has been in a very unique situation where he's been able to spend some extended periods of time over in China. So it's some really, really great stuff, guys. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the talk as much as I did, guys. Let's get right to it. Jim, thanks for being on with us today, man. Jay, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, so let's just give people a little story how, how the Shield came about, and let's get from there. All right. Well, the Shield came about through, I think, when I was getting my business license. I just hired some online company, and I paid three artists to do 10 different designs, 29 designs sucked. I hated 29. And when I actually got to the shield, I was like, this is perfect. So uh, it's actually based off of, you know, some people might hate it, but it's based off the Duke Blue Devils away uniform, you know, the black and the blue. And, you know, that's kind of where I drove it from. And, uh, you know, I think from there, the shield just kind of grew and I kind of forced it on people. I just started sending shirts to people and making people wear it. And, you know, I kind of... I think I'm giving myself some credit as I think I brought, you know, people's individual shirts into the whole trade show. You know, mm -hmm. people love to trade them now. And I'm giving myself credit for that. If I'm giving myself any credit in this industry, I think I brought, you know, sharing shirts and logos and all that stuff with each other. That's awesome. And the connection to Duke prior to the public or the private sector is a is a basketball one. Yeah. I mean, I became a Coach K fan. Yes. Uh, I hated Duke growing up. <laughs> I hated Leitner. I was a Kentucky fan, you know, and he hit that shot in Philadelphia. So I despised him. But when I got to high school, you know, I, I kind of loved his dictatorship and leadership and just the way the kids kind of played for him. And, you know, I kind of fell in love with him as a mentor and a coach in that sense. Right. And it's now something where you work in the private sector in Philadelphia. Yeah. With everyone ranging from WNBA players to the general population. Yeah, correct. And one thing that we see a lot of, because you post a lot of great stuff on social media, is talking about how different things can mean the same thing for different people. Yeah. And starting with the evaluation process. 
So let's sure. say Jay DeMeo, the Division Three soccer player, walks in to gyms. Okay. How do we start the process yeah. there? I said, it's like I said, no different for anybody else. We're going to do a movement screen. So we're going to take some stuff from probably FMS. Uh, I do some stuff from PRI that I've learned, you know, from the courses I've taken there. Um, I take some stuff from functional range assessment. And, you know, I've learned from those guys, you know, Spina. And just stuff I've learned over 15 years. You know, it's just, you know, what do you think this person needs? Try it. And, you know, everything that we do is an assessment, I think, at all times. So we're always plugging different stuff in. But, you know, I just think basic movement screens and things like that for everybody in the beginning. And, you know, what's the goal? What's the timeline we have to work with? And what I try not to stray away from a lot is, you know, these kids are sent home with programs on their own. You know, I try to, you know, incorporate that stuff still or, you know, contact you. Like if, if you're sending me a kid, I'm going to talk to you and say, okay, you know, we have a general team program, but, you know, can we tweak anything for this kid or can I do some things that I see day to day that might help this kid a little bit more? So, you know. How do you see coaches handling those conversations? Um, some coaches just say they're, they're 100% on board. They just say, do what you want to do. You know, my thing is like, you know, it's if they're going back on day one and there's some specific conditioning test that they have to be ready for, we have to have, have them ready for it. You might be 100% right in your individual thinking what this person needs. But if they go back and they flunk some conditioning test and fail, like they're not coming back. You know, so you kind of have to, you know, find where you can blend things in and you know, make everybody happy, but still, you know, do it accordingly. Okay, so let's then let's talk about how you're you're looking at the programming with these kids. So, what are what are the basic principles behind Jim Ferris and what he's doing with most of these athletes? So, if we're looking at it, you know, it's just looking at it from an energy system development point or you know a speed point. Um, do we need to, these kids to be able to do something at a higher rate? You know, bigger or from a more capacity point. So, you know, are we trying to make them aerobic monsters? They need, you know, anaerobic at this point. What's their weakness that when we can send them back, they're going to be a better athlete for that team, you know? So what's the weakest link, obviously, and, you know, how, how do we build off it? Okay, and then let's talk about now, how do we identify what these weakest links are? So when you look, the functional movement screen and the PRI and, and Spina stuff is great, but if we're talking energy systems, we're looking at different evals. Let's break right. those down a bit. Right. So, I mean, some basic testing that I'll, you know, we could go beep test. We could go sprint fatigue. I'll do stuff with like, you know, 10 second sprint, 30 second recovery, match up the first three runs versus the last three runs and see what the tail off is or the fall off. Um, simple agility test, you know, you name it. Like I'll, I'll plug everything in, you know, and, and mix and match. But it's just, uh, like I said, what's the athlete? What's the sport? What do you know, what are we focused on for that kid? But yeah. So then when you, you bring these kids home, because it's, it's difficult, and it's, it's a situation that we run into in college in the summer, too, when you're looking at kids with schedules and work and things of that nature. Yeah. When you're plugging these kids in, and you may have kids in vastly different sports working in yeah. the same group, how do you guys go yeah. about keeping a, a team atmosphere but still making sure it's a one-on-one -on -one type of thing? I think the tough part that I deal with, with all athletes, soccer, lacrosse, basketball, um, is their overall schedule, right? They might come and see me three to five times a week at nine o'clock in the morning and then go work some type of, you know, physical labor job, you know, kids in the summertime, but then they're playing summer league. They have these skills coaches as well. And, you know, 
Hey, I don't know a skill coach out there that just does skill. It's it, their conditioning sessions in my mind, you know, and it's mm-hmm. running kids through the ringer at nighttime. So it's my job. I feel like I have to do is adapt to everything else that's going on. So, cause I'm the only one I think that understands how to adapt, right? You know, the skill coach doesn't, they're going to do the conditioning no matter what you say, you know? And then these kids are going to play in that summer league no matter what, because it's their chance to play. So I think my job day to day is adjust off their weekly schedule and say, look, you know, here, here's the risk and reward of what we have to do this week, but here's the work outside the gym. So this is the work I can do with you in the gym, you know, and there's that buy-in and, you know, it's, there's some resistance sometimes because they want to do more, but it's like, is it worth it at this point? You know, you got five other hours scheduled today of physical labor, right? right. So it, it, it's a tough find sometimes, but you know, it's, we usually figure it out and get the balance and, you know, it's, I guess, better, better safe than sorry. Maybe I'm a little too safe sometimes in that aspect, but like I said, I can't crush this kid and send him back, you know, fatigued and not ready to go. No, no. And I, I think that that's something that a lot of people can take a lesson from is that you can always train tomorrow. Yeah. You know, and instead of just drilling them into the ground, if they're going to have all these other things, you can always take, you know, the second day and and go from there. Yeah. And like I said, these kids, I feel like they live off of dosage, you know, they live off of quantity and, you know, what I get with them and, you know, if we do data collection or we use something like, you know, a gym aware and base everything off velocity, you know, they get that type type of stuff, you know, after some time. But if I don't do something that gives them feedback that they can see, they just want to do more. So that's what I've learned. I think with my two years now of having a gym aware is like, if you use this with these kids that live off of quantity, they, they respect the quality of work when they can measure numbers and they, they see how that stuff works. So let's get into that a little bit. So how do you implement you know, the, the bar velocity and what exactly are you looking at and how are you communicating it with the, the kids you work with? So like I said, you know, w- basically with the squatting and the deadlifting type stuff, it's 100% stolen from, you know, from Brian Mann. You know, I've been, I've, I've big fan of his book and, um, I've connected a lot with the guys out at IFAST. They're, they're doing a lot of things with the gym aware and some studies on readiness and things like that. Cool. So for me, it's been, you know, just, teaching these kids how to move based off, off the bar speed, because I feel like I get a lot of kids that they just want to go heavy and slow. They just have to feel like they have to keep grinding and they, they miss a lot of that speed strength, strength, speed, those little things that are going to help overall throughout the year. Um, because I think these kids tax themselves too hard. You know, it's, it's they're crushing their nervous systems every day by going heavy, slow, heavier and slower, heavier and slower. I think the gym aware, like for me, has just given them something to compete against as well. Because when they see these numbers, they're like, oh, okay. You know, now now I get why we're lifting at 40% or 50%. And my goal is to stay in this range. And, you know, we're doing sets of two until I have a 10% drop off. So that's cool. You know, it's just different. Um, it's But it's, it's actually helped me teach better. Because if I just tell a kid we're going to lift 50% fast, they don't get it. And, you know, that could be my fault too. Maybe I wasn't good enough teaching at, you know, why they were doing it. But the gym aware has actually made my job a lot easier. No, that's, that's awesome. I, I've never thought about the teaching realm of it. The competitive realm, obviously yeah. it shows up. Yeah. So then when we get into that, you're, you're looking strength, speed and speed strength. So you're keeping these kids 
four to seventy five. Yeah, yeah, you're right in that range. Yeah. And we're looking at squats and deads with with all the kids. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Now, how does that change with, say, like the WNBA kids that you have in there now? Does when we get into the high level pros, what alterations, pro or con, do you see with them? Um. With the pros, it's it's like I said, this girl I have now is Maggie Lucas. She's actually just coming off an ACL tear. Uh, so she actually just got cleared to get back on the court yesterday. Um, nice. But with her, it's, you know, like I said, it's just a big strength foundation right now and working with the PT until we get, you know, clearance on, you know, to do some other things. But she's a, uh, you know, she's a workhorse. And it's just one of those kids that I feel like, she's the one I have to stop from doing things, right? Like she overbooks herself. She's on the court seven days a week. You know, she's a gym monster. So with her, it's, it's just help, it's helping her maintain and, and, and kind of back off some things and the volume control. So using like a gym aware with her really helped control because she's, you know, she wants to do more and more and more at all times. So I, but besides that, the training's no different. You know, I mean, if you come in and you see a program of mine, you're going to see something that's, you know, kind of West Side-ish, a little bit of Caldeets, triphasic. You know, I, I just take from everything. A lot of Joel Jameson, you know, in terms of how he programs, you know, energy systems and things along those lines. You know, there's nothing that you're going to come in and be like, wow, what is this? I've never seen this before. You, you probably read it and you've probably seen it. And, you know, it's just things I think are easy to apply. You know, athletes, general pop, you know, no different but, you know, fine tweaking it for them to, you know, get the job done. Yeah, I think that that's an interesting combination. Let's, if you could elaborate a little more, because when people think of Louis stuff, they're automatically thinking max effort, dynamic effort. They think of cows. They're thinking, I mean, right, yeah, right now you might even be thinking like super maximal eccentrics. Yeah. And Joel, you're, most people automatically think aerobic training. Oh, yeah, 100%. So let's, let's talk, how do you break that week down? So a lot of times these kids are, I mean, they're, they're going to come in and, and train anywhere from three to five times a week, right? Um, depending on, like I said, their outside schedules. Um, you know, I, I kind of like how Cal does like a medium day on Monday, heavy day Wednesday, you know, capacity day Friday. Um, but I also try to teach these kids that like they can be good to go on Monday as well, right? Like you don't have to have a bad weekend. Like Mondays can be really good. They don't have to be slow and sluggish. Um but like I said, with, with uh, I like to do a lot of max work on Wednesdays, though. I like to keep that in the middle of the week and follow that up with the capacity stuff on Fridays. And I just try to blend in, you know, the energy system work from Joel, you know, pretty much Monday, Wednesday, Friday as well, obviously keeping everything under the, you know, the same bucket in terms of energy systems of what we're doing. You know, are we doing, is it an aerobic phase, anaerobic phase, you know, are we sprinkling in some lactate overkill? Um, yeah, I just try to blend everything together in that sense. And I try to blend it in with their training, like with their skill stuff. So I tell them how to go do their basketball shooting that day, and they maybe mix this stuff in in between foul shots or dribbling skills, stuff like that. And how receptive are they to that? Um, to my face, they're receptive. And then sometimes I have to like, you know, sneak in the gym and peek in the back and see what they're doing, you know. But it's a, I think once they understand why we're doing it that way, they get they they'll, they'll change a little bit. But like I said. When you have someone that's a 10, 15 year of habit, you know, basketball kids are habits, man. They have to do the same shot a thousand times a day. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, you shoot 
you know, by yourself, but in the game you're shooting 45. So why do you keep doing the same shooting thing? It's just a habit. So, you know, sometimes you can break a kid's habit in two weeks. Sometimes it takes two years to influence them on some change. But, uh, you know, you just have to keep plugging. You know, it's our job is to figure out a way to get into their head and make them understand. Yeah, I think that's an awesome spot to take a detour and talk about the relationships that you're able to build with these kids and, and doing that. Do you have any stories where there's been either some resistance that led to success when it comes to changing those behaviors? Because I think that that's, that's a direction a lot of coaches are really looking to go in and people have a hard time with. Yeah. Um, you know, I do my best to try to understand where people come from, understand their why, understand their drive, their goals, right? And I do my best to make them understand that everything I'm doing is what I think is in their best interest as well. It's a lot of times you like, you want to ask somebody, like, do you think I'm trying to hold you back? Like, do you think I'm trying to stop you from greatness? No, I'm trying to make sure you're doing what's right. So I actually had a center or, you know, power forward. He's in the Big Ten, plays at Penn State. You know, we he basically fired each other, uh, probably sophomore, junior year of high school, because, you know, he didn't listen. And, you know, we had battles and I talked to the parents and I said, look, like. This isn't working, you know, and I'll find you somebody else like it wasn't, you know, there was no hatred, but we couldn't find middle ground. We couldn't get along and he wanted to dictate like what he was going to do. And he's back now. Right. So he's now, I think, a sophomore, junior at Penn State. And we. uh I think kind of grew on each other over the years and understood each other a little bit better. And, you know, we found a way to make it work. So I think that's the beauty of like, you know, when you're in private sector, you have a little bit more control of who you work with, obviously, and the relationships. Right. And, you know, I got a nice reminder because I just spent three months in China working with a pro team and whether they liked it or not, these guys had to work with me. Right. So I had to find ways to, you know, get these, Chinese players through a translator, you know, to, to buy into me. And I had fights weekly, right? 18 year old kids center. I mean, private meetings, yelling at each other, uh, locking the weight room. So he couldn't go in. <laughs> like, it was just insane. But I think we love those types of journeys and those relationships are, they end up being the best ones when you eventually do get that person to buy in. Um, but I just think you really have to, you know, put your ego aside as a coach and, and figure out how to get these kids to, to buy in and understand. You know, it, it's not going to happen on day one, might not happen day two, but you just have to figure it out and just blend things in. You know, I, just, it's, I think a lot of times we try to bring a kid in and flip them, like 180, and say we're changing everything today, and they don't get it. And we just have to, you know, I think uh, find your way that you can get people to understand. You know, I think I've, with the diversity of people I've worked with over the years from the NBA, WNBA, overseas, general, you know, population people, I think I've developed just a good way to, to get people to understand, you know, without, you know, slamming them or killing what they were doing before. But, you know, I think that's just me. Yeah, man. Teach them and bring them in. Don't try to flip them over and make them run the other way, you know? 100%. And I, I can attest to what it's like being in one of those uncomfortable situations going through a translator because I spent about a month over in China coaching as well. And it was, uh, those were fun. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, 
I would look at these people and I'd be like, you brought me here because you wanted me to do this stuff, right? <laughs> and, you know, I can't tell you if someone says the phrase to me, well, it's our tradition and culture. One more time. I, I, yeah, I kind of <laughs> well, your tradition and culture is why I'm here because it's not working. You know? it's nine months of two a days, Monday through Saturday. Oh. And, you know, oh, it's brutal. I mm -hmm. talked to there's a strength coach on Shanghai and he was just like, hey, man, he's like, I love in season because we we train once a day. He's like the rest of the year. It's insane. And that's just how they do it. You know, it's robotic for them. Oh, and when you have a billion people you can choose from, you can let it be survival of the fittest. Yeah. That's why there was a stat I think I saw a little while ago. They were comparing, like, you know, China got this many medals in the Olympics, but it was based off percentage of people in the country, you know, and they were, like, ranked last. And I said, well, who cares? Why, why does that matter? <laughs> they still have a billion people, and they still got medals. I don't think they care about the percentage. No, and Rhett talked about that last year about this time on an episode where because he was with the divers and it's like they just go and go and go and it's it's crazy man i i've never seen anything like it they are they, i mean they're, they're robots and it's like if they learn something one way it's oh. staying there. right mm -hmm. I, I walked i think the first day i walked into practice and it, it was like a shoot around and i mean everybody made every shot like they didn't miss a shot but then when you put them into a game and you make them take a step left or a step right, like, they're missing, right? It's, it's off. It's just, there's such robotic creatures over there, which is, you know, it's impressive in itself. But I think, you know, they lack that creativity and those intangibles of thinking on their own because they just like to be told what to do. So that was just a very interesting, you know, way to see people play. So on top of, you know, the obvious learning experience that is spending time over in China. Yeah. How did that make you a better coach? It's just when you're around different cultures and you just see how they respond and react to everything. It's like, I mean, the, the cool thing for me is I was there for three months and a lot of it for me was observing. I didn't have to coach. I had to just sit and take notes and it created a lot of questions for me, for them. You know, why do you guys do this? Or why do you do that? Or, you know, what's your thoughts behind this? So, for me, I just, I, it was like I just got to sit and watch and, and see so many different things. And then, you know, just to figure out why it made them tick or talk that way. Like, you know, what's your purpose with all this stuff? And it was just uh, the culture over there is just it's it's all about effort. Right. They just want to see more effort. And it was the quantity over quality. And, you know, it's it's just you know what we're trying to teach people to get away from. We're, we're trying to bring quality to this and purpose to that like you know like why are you doing this running drill today like what's the point um looking at the testing that the cba does and you know how these guys have to prepare for things it's just like you know there's things you're going to agree with things you're going to disagree with but either way you have to have them ready for it and so you know it's it, that's always a tough thing to bite sometimes it's they have a squat test based off of body weight and you get a point you know per squat and if you fail like you can't play as a Chinese player, like you couldn't play. It's just, you know, it's a whole different world, mm -hmm. I think, in that sense, you know. So I think it just, you know, also lets me know I'm doing a lot of things right, I think, back here in the private stuff. No, you know? that's awesome. I think that the one thing that it got me to do, because I'm not the most patient human being in the world. Yeah. So, like, when we would be going through drills and coaching and, and 
through the workouts. It, it took me like two times of waiting for the translator. I got really good at pointing to show people like what I wanted. Yeah. Whether it be on me or like on them and like, yeah, you know, I, I think that that was like the big thing that I took away is that you really can coach in loud, loud music because they don't have to hear you. Yeah. That's no, true. Eh, I didn't even think about it in that sense. But, yeah, you know, your cues become a lot shorter. Oh, yeah. You know? And I felt like, you know, if they weren't getting it, I would still just yell louder. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I like, too. they're not going to get it. They still don't get it, even if I'm saying it loud. Oh, yeah. Or you, you throw an F-bomb in the middle with it. You're like, oh, maybe that'll help. <laughs> that, that's, and that, then that's what we talked about. You know, that's the universal word. Like, yes. everybody knows what that is. It doesn't matter. If you say that word, everyone knows it. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I yelled it a lot of times. But, you know, they would just laugh because they knew it was just, I, you know, sometimes I'd be like, you know what I'm saying. I know you know what I'm saying. Like, you, I know you get it. You guys are just playing dumb. Oh, 100%. Yeah, that that's so funny because I, I can see, I mean, shoot, this was five years ago, six years ago, and I can see the kids' faces the first time I said that, and it was just like, you know, oh yeah, like like when the dog the first time you say like car and they know the word and it was just like oh I know what that is. Yeah. Now I'm perked up. What are we doing? Yeah. So and we had a a, a Euro coach from Italy and he f bombed every other word. So it was that was I think that was really interesting to see. Right. You have a, a Euro League basketball coach now trying to coach in China, and you know Italians they, they coach with their hands like everything's a mannerism. It's just like they coach with their heart and this passion and they're screaming. And then the Chinese just are just looking and staring back with a blank face. Yep. And it drove them nuts. Like I, I thought he was gonna have a heart attack and I'm like, coach, you know, they're not going to respond. Like you can't don't do this. It's not going to work. You just, it won't work. Yeah. But no, man, that that's freaking awesome. So I, I think that the main takeaways we can look at from this is no matter who you're working with, you got to evaluate, it's got to have a purpose and you got to build it. And that no matter what culture you cross, teaching is teaching and people are people and you've got to be able to connect with them and build these relationships in order for them because nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care, brother. Yeah, 100%. But yeah, hey, Jim, I can't thank you enough for being on with us today, man. This is absolutely fantastic. We're, uh, we're going to have this up right away, man. People are going to love it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Yeah, brilliant, brother. Thanks. We'll be in touch real soon. All right, have a good one. You too. And a huge thanks again to Jim Ferris for joining us today. Guys, you know, just another great coach being open and honest with their sharing, telling us exactly what they're doing with people, how they're doing it, how they're handling uh, situations, giving real-life anecdotal experience in the talk. I, I can't thank Jim enough for being so open and honest and sharing with us today. Absolutely fantastic stuff, guys. I'm really, really grateful uh, for the time that Jim gave us. Hopefully you guys enjoy the talk as much as I did, you know, because one, Jim's a super guy, and two, he does so much to help people sharing information when it comes to social media. Uh, and if you did, share it through the social media outlet of your choice. Tweet it, Facebook, Instagram, whatever it may be, guys. Remember, just trying to get good information out to great coaches out there. If you haven't subscribed, please do. Podomatic, iTunes, YouTube, so you can get all the information out as soon as it comes out, guys. Uh, again, Awesome talk, Jim. Thank you very much. And thank you guys for everything that you do here for us at Central Virginia Sport Performance. 
We're really grateful for everything you guys do, and uh, I can't thank you enough. We will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.